it's essential that my missives communicate mm-hmm. if something is wrong, whether in, it's in a form of a safe word or anything else. Let's take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this? When did you explore the idea of doing it? I've always been kinky. I've always liked it. I was like, hmm, maybe I could actually make some money. I started researching. You know, I did all the things slowly, actually. It was quite slowly. You know, started a website, uh, started advertising and um, cleared my debt and also realized I really liked it. What characteristics would you say someone should have if they want to become dominatrix? First of all, it really is helpful if you're actually kinky. But because there is theory to BDSM. Okay. I teach it as well. So, you know, there are ways in which you should do things. Within our um, group, within the kinksters in general, there's a lot of conversations about consent and kinks. Because, you know, there are 200 kinks available. probably even more these days have you ever had experience financially dominating has there ever been any hairy moments where you felt endangered a constant is the most important thing in bdsm yeah and i need constant for every uh, single activity we're doing and the level of it there are some fetishes that are let's say less common than others such as a puffer jacket fetish Another dominatrix had her account frozen for two years. So is that because the customer pays money and then when he leaves he's like, oh, oh, oh. No, I mean, I think another reason is because the banks don't like to deal with sex workers. It's very helpful to be able to voice yourself as a female. Doing this helps. Doing, you know, that is the very reason why the sex industry exists. What is your favourite gadget in this dungeon you like to use? Hello and welcome back to Sexonomic. Today I have a special guest with me. She loves to go by Mistress Wildfire. Correct. And she is also a... Dominatrix. Is that what we're asking? Yes. (laughs) Well, you never know how people want to identify these days. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much correct. So do you just go by Mistress Wildfire or...? Yeah, Mistress Wildfire. um, Yeah, that's pretty much right. Okay. (laughs) How long have you been doing this for? It's just over seven years, so quite a while. Okay. Mm, I know. how, You know, time flies when you have fun. And you do have fun. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, I was talking about it yesterday to someone. I do enjoy it mm-hmm. a lot. And I'm really lucky that I can say I just love my job. Yeah, I think that's so important in life that you love the work you do. And having spoken with quite a few people in sex work, you know, there's misconceptions that people don't enjoy this. But for the most part, a lot of people do. Yes, I agree, because it would be a very difficult job to do if you didn't like it. And I don't suppose someone could carry on for so long. Um, With any job uh, that you don't enjoy, it becomes quite tough. But this, mm-hmm. when you have a certain energy to give to people, and if you dislike, for example, men, it's never going to work for a long term. That's why a lot of people come into this industry and go away after a few years. Obviously, we are in London right now. And 
in London there's quite a large sexual market in terms of like sex workers. I'm a stripper, so obviously um, I'm aware of the clubs that are open. With doming, what's the competition like in the London area? It's interesting. Well, there is a lot of competition, I have to say. I don't know how many dominatrixes there are in London, Mm -hmm. but I've never really checked. So I haven't got it. There are no statistics, actually, but I suppose we could all check. Yeah. Um, So, but there are hundreds, and the competition is very fierce. Although, then London is a massive city, and we have all the tourists and, you know, people who come over uh, from abroad. So there's a lot of demand as well. And as well, I think when I contacted you, obviously you go onto one of these pages and that's how you advertise and stuff. Correct. I think I really liked your outfit and I was like, she seems cool. Can I <laughs> ask her to come on? Yeah, there's a lot of, out- yeah, outfits are important here. <laughs> obviously. And so many people just like steal from like BDSM culture and like appropriate it and put it into mainstream, which is actually cool because you see it. Yeah. I think it's better for it to be that way than the other way around that it's yeah. all covered. Um, although there was a gimp uh, going to the Shakespeare's glo- Globe the other day and that wasn't a good thing to do. It got to press and... Uh, <laughs> Wait, you took a gimp or you saw no, a gimp? I just saw an article that a gimp went on his own. Oh. And, you know, it, even though he was fully covered in latex, wow. people were complaining. I suppose it is a sexualized outfit, so, you know, there was an interesting bit of discussion while he's covered, but then again, it's sexualized, but then there are children, but there were no children (laughs) over there, so... (laughs) It's time and environment, I do agree. Yes. I mean, my friend told me, you know, torture garden? Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard it's quite a tame thing to go to. I Um, wouldn't say... Well, depends who's asking, I suppose. I wouldn't say it's tame. They're all very similar, those clubs, to me. Well, there was a gimp and he was kneeling on the floor and he just got kicked all night by random different people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people love it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> each to their own, of course. And if you had a fetish for that, then that's the place to explore it. Let's take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this? When did you explore the idea of doing it? It was quite a few years ago now. I think I started thinking about it when I was around 30. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a very expensive degree at the time (laughs) and I just got into a lot of debt and I realized I wasn't able to pay it off. So unfortunately, I just kept thinking, wow, what am I going to do with this now? And I thought maybe there is a way I could make some money sort of quickly. And I've always been kinky. I've always liked it. In <laughs> my Well, always. In, you know, since I was, let's say, 27. I was 27 when I, um, I started uh, kink actively. So I was like, hmm, maybe I could actually make some money. I started researching. I did started doing some workshops, going, meeting people. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It turned out that I, you know, I did all the things slowly, actually. It was quite slowly, you know, started a website, uh, started advertising and um, cleared my debt and also realized I really liked it. Amazing. By the way, guys, 
she looks 21. <laughs> I'm definitely not 21. Well, <laughs> it's okay. You look it to me. Um, but what were you studying at the time? And were you studying in London or? Yes, that was um, yeah. a graduate diploma in law. Okay. And those are expensive, of course. Especially international? Um, no, that was just usual. But that was £12,000 so at the time, yeah. which was in, <laughs> which was, hmm, when did I do it? it was around uh, 2012. Yeah. So I just, yeah. And I thought, you know, this should tie me over. But instead, I realized I actually I'm enjoying myself. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing here. And mm-hmm. um, and I decided to just keep on going. You do this website, you set it up, and mm-hmm. you kind of layer by layer, you know, build it up, as you said, go to these classes. Your first customer, mm-hmm. do you remember? Oh, of course. Yeah, I remember him very well. You never knew he was my first client. Um, I went to one of those uh dungeons in central london that were available for hire mm-hmm. that one in particular is now closed and i because i didn't well i had a little bit of experience realistically i had a lot of theory in my head but very little practice yeah but because there is theory to be dsm okay because i teach it as well so you know there are ways in which you should do things um, you know, we are very creative. We love our creativity, but you know, you need to be able to maintain a technique as well. So I, you know, I said, okay, this should be done like this. This I'm gonna, you know, I th- he had his fetishes. I r- made a little list. I took down and <clears throat> and yes, we 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 just it just went. I, I was very stressed. So of course, <laughs> but you know. It was too late. I was there and he came in and we did that session and it was okay. He stayed with me for the next three years. What was the feeling before you did it and then after you did it? What was running through your veins? Before, I just, I remember being stressed. I remember um, it was just the usual, you know, performance you're about to perform something and you're not too sure how it's going to go. So <laughs> I suppose that was just that. But I don't remember after. I don't actually. I remember we had a lunch. Oh. So that was lovely. So obviously you know, made him pay. <laughs> oh, certainly. I think I remember. I remember the food and, you know, it's all gone well. Yes, I do have to say I don't have any sort of unpleasant memories because things don't always go well, uh, especially if you're very new. You have to be very careful. Uh, things can happen. But that session, <laughs> actually, that, that was really, really good. And I realized, okay, we can keep on going. Well, it's interesting you mentioned theories because, you know, when you do research for an interview, you kind of do your internet research and then you do your kind of, perspective interview with your friends and you go hmm what do you think uh dominatrix does i think i know a little bit more than like my normal friends who aren't in the sex industry mm-hmm. but i obviously don't know as much as you because you are a dominatrix what are some of the theories if you can share them with us or just basic principles well obviously i know the basic yeah. principles is uh, safe sane and consensual for example we can talk about that a lot yeah Consent is the most important thing in BDSM. Yeah. And I need consent for every uh, single activity we're doing and the level of it. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday I had someone who asked for 
CBT, which is cock and ball torture. And he said, can we do it extremely light? And I say, yes, as a matter of fact, I need your consent for, d- you know, it's called torture. And then, then it's light. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's quite a contradiction, but <laughs> it's the way we call things. So anyway, if someone's asking for a light CBT, this is what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So th- that's one of the m- most important things. Then, of course, another... Uh, so safe, sa- safe. It's you know we you know I'm responsible for people's safety here. Um, sane, well, it goes without saying. Um, and then RAC is the other principle: risk or work consensual kink. We are both me and the submissive need to be aware that there are inherent risks to BDSM. Mm-hmm. We are doing activities that are um, some of them at least sometimes can be painful. And that brings risk. And, of course, you know, we're both in it together. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of the risk. I'm doing everything to minimize it. The submissive is aware of the risks as well. He's doing everything to minimize it. But the risk is there. Is it a verbal agreement or is it a written or... Verbal. Verbal. Verbal is, uh, you know, I mean, I've done it for seven years um, without any issues. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> seems to work rather well, this approach. Of course, I mean, y- uh, you know, then there is a, an email that's a written agreement where everyone is listing their fetishes. And that's already, you know, if they say, oh, I like that, then that's already constant. But I like to go through it verbally um, mm. before the session, as everyone else does. That's the standard in our industry. The email's like a paper trail of just, exactly. God forbid, the worst. But mm-hmm. um, you said, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussions beforehand and you discuss the king and what that is. But that sounds like there is almost more consent in what I would translate into the normal dating world. Like, as so many of my girlfriends, like, when they go out and hook up with a guy or even my guy friends mm-hmm. they obviously content but sometimes they're shy to ask for things in the bedroom and i love that in your industry correct people can just ask for it and not feel shamed yes it, not just in my industry but within our um, group within the kingsters in general there's a lot of conversations about consent and kinks because you know there are 200 kinks available <laughs> probably even more these days <laughs> you can fetishize a lot of things but let's say um, around 200 so there's a lot so you know if one person is kinky and the other person is kinky oh fantastic but do we even like the same thing so this is where conversation begins yeah. and and then of course you need to probe and you need to ask and find out what uh, your let's say prospective um, play partner enjoys and once you've got that you know then you know you, s- you can compare the notes so to speak oh looks like we enjoy the same things let's see what we can do about it and then that's you know that's when the consent comes and then further and further oh i'd like to explore this that's a lot of conversation and when it comes to vanilla sex which is (laughs) exactly um which doesn't have any doesn't have any of it Mm. um i mean i actually don't know because i'm not that well versed when it comes to just vanilla um sex and i hope things got better but normally you just get on with things rather than having long-winded conversation. But I suppose there are people who love their sexuality and love to explore things and they have, you know, conversations as well. I mean, you know, 
varies from person to person we'll move on to like what type of customers and stuff you know you find within here as we're sitting in her dungeon at the moment and it looks really cool um but do you ever get any women uh very rarely when they do come is it just they're curious or they want to actually get involved or um yes both okay they're curious they want to get involved they maybe are bisexual um okay so mm, but women are able to find it without paying so yeah there's a very little market for it realistically i think as well what you just said is actually really interesting because your job take away you know the whips and the leather and all the toys your basic job is to read someone and really get to know what they want and listen to it and follow through correct which is actually a skill that is quite hard Mm -hmm. and not everyone can do yes that's what makes or breaks a good dominatrix actually listening yes and being able to create an intimate environment in a short space of time with a person that you barely know yeah you're just striking a bond instantly well you have to yes i mean well you don't but it's good if you're able to do it yeah wow i I never thought of it that way they're extremely intimate things for people who ask for you know their fetishes probably very few people in general are even you know this isn't something you disclose to anyone and Mm. it's like any part of our sexuality normally you just don't talk about it let alone something that's considered weird Mm. um so looking at it this way you know i'm the only person who is a party to a very intimate uh, thing and you know and we have what we do with it well we have fun do you think that gives you the power and the leverage that a dominatrix would have now that you know they're so to speak secret say it again i didn't understand (laughs) (laughs) sorry so obviously i'm gonna take a stab in the dark and assume that you know quite a few of your customers like you said they are obviously shy of this kink they have so whether they have a wife at home or they don't explore it with other partners outside of Mm -hmm. but you they feel that they can come to you in comfort and confide this kink but because you are the only one who really knows about this kink, does that give you the power and the leverage as the dominatrix? Um, no, I don't suppose it gives me any power or leverage. Okay. Um, but in wh- how would I use my power or leverage? You know, this is role play. You yeah. know, in a role play scenario, <laughs> I suppose I'd have certain power over them. But in reality, we are just two players in the same game. Because it's very much play. It's not... um, I think what I'm getting at is obviously the misconception out there of that dominatrix is woman who, you know, has ultimate power and, like, just can whip him into shape and make him come whenever he wants, not come, like... but that's absolutely correct. (laughs) Oh, yes. From that, yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Pussy whip is the Um, correct term. (laughs) Of course. It's so inherent for me that I tend to forget that bit. (laughs) Yes. I make all the rules. Mm. Um, once I <laughs> once <laughs> I establish the the consent, yes, and you know we have a good thorough dis- discussion, and you know there are a few other things we discuss as well. Then it's all you know. This is my way or highway, yeah. And then I have to relinquish the power, but of course they love it, my subs. <laughs> so so everyone's happy. That must have been such like as well a powerful thing when you learnt it in this occupation and then you can take little bits of it into your personal life 
you know whether it's you're dealing with a shitty landlord or something not that you're gonna whip him but you know you can like really take that element of power and translate it into your everyday life it's very helpful to be able to voice yourself as a female doing this helps doing you know well let's say interacting with men being able to tell them or in general tell people what to do how do you want things done being assertive that can be quite helpful and um yeah i can definitely use it not that i need to but yeah it's always handy to have in your arsenal it is very handy actually very very handy because many women actually don't so i think it's because sometimes we're programmed to be quite passive yes yes but Uh, for whatever reason you know it's been like that it's getting slightly better but not as good as we would like it to be well, some men are getting scared, so you know it's getting slightly better. Like the ones who are yeah. quite sexist, so to speak. Correct. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the customers, mm-hmm. okay? If any are listening, shout out, hello. Hello. <laughs> if you look at like pie chart, so imagine pie chart, what is your customer base? Like what percentage? I'm going to guess high powered men in jobs where they're constantly telling people what to do so they want to come to women and woman tells them what to do yes some of my client clients are like that but when it comes to my client base it's um every single person imaginable so when i think about it there isn't a particular person there isn't one particular description ages vary as well so from lads in their 20s to older gentlemen in their 60s and they come from every wake of life yeah and from uh, not just uh, from the uk but i have a lot of clients from abroad so it's really 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 varied for me do you ever travel for your work no i stay here with your customers have you ever had experience financially dominating because i've never really understood that principle but what is financial domination because a lot of girls say i would love to do financial domination but what is it uh, financial domination is one of the fetishes it's um, quite a big one it mostly is done online Mm-hmm. And I specialize in real-time sessions. Okay. So there isn't that much of a crossover between my client base and someone who's a financial dominatrix. So I don't do too much of it simply because I'm not that uh, active online. I just don't have enough time. I, I would love to have all the time to do it. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> oh, God. Um, exactly. Some of uh, There are a few of my friends who do both actually and they can be you can be very successful but it just depends which fetish you enjoy most and uh, how you prefer engaging with men so i prefer mm, having a, a person here in with person me, in person and some prefer doing it online so they gravitate to those um, type of fetishes but yes, some people, are, some men are aroused by the idea of a woman taking their money from them or they are aroused by giving her money. Mm. That's pretty much it. But it's not an easy fetish. T- you know, the, the level of skill required f- for this dominatrix to do it, to do it, to do it skillfully mm. is enormous because it's all mental. You know, you they need to have something for it. Yeah. It's not like no one's going to give anyone uh, a penny unless they get something in return so it's not like they're giving money all because i told them no no 
that sounds more sugar daddy-esque what you said but also well no but sugar daddy needs something for it he gets sex you know there's <laughs> always the exchange we, we all know <laughs> well i have my friend she's a sugar baby and she mm-hmm. came on the podcast and mm-hmm. basically there's misconception that sugar daddy is you know you can just go on a few dates and he pays you a lot of money i'm sure you can go on one date and get paid money you know i've gone for like brunch with a man and gotten like what 200 pounds for that but i think sometimes it's dangerous because girls think oh i can just go and do this without you know having sex or an intimate side to it but she said 80 percent of the relationships in sugar daddying are like that so sexual sexual of course yes but people think it's just an easy thing and it's annoying because i'd imagine people just think dominatrix is the idea of just oh i'm gonna smack him it's Mm. not it's a whole art and a craft yes but of course men if they pay us money they have expectations and rightly so it's an expensive thing Mm -hmm. so it is for me to fulfill their expectations and i'm really lucky (laughs) i am a massive kingster myself an enormous fetishist i really love it i know my job very well and i enjoy it and as a result you know we get on with things and we like i'm saying the most important thing with bdsm is to have the fun and enjoyment that comes with it and there we go um but since there is the financial um exchange they have expectations that they won't met let's go into these kinks because there's so many (laughs) so basically there's 200 of these classic ones and from when i went online basically from what i saw the dom will put yes 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 no yeah and often most doms are open to most things and they're just one or two things that they're not really not for them for whatever reason what are your main favorite ones to do a client comes and he says i would like this and your eyes light up fantastic i oh it's a, such a difficult question mm. i do like a lot of things um <laughs> but um, i've got a few specialities one of them is erotic hypnosis i do like uh, hypnotizing my subjects um then another one again is shibari this japanese bondage with the rope mm -hmm. japanese rope bondage quite intricate then i do like pegging Uh, but then again everyone loves a little bit of pegging (laughs) (laughs) and i think what else there were a few more um oh god there was so general power exchange is well what i enjoy power exchange is something that I absolutely love. I do like worship. So, for example, you know, that's, again, quite a fetishy thing rather than... Well, I do like the painful activities too. Then again, I do love over the knee spanking. And I do like a good masochist. Oh, but that's just very rare. So, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I'm very versatile. But I think... um, the hypnosis, rope bondage, teasing, pegging, yeah. worship. Um, and if I have a masochist and anything that's painful. Obviously, that that covers... Oh, God, and I, I do like my sissies too. Oh, sissies? I can't, I can't forget the girls. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get very upset that they men- didn't mention. Oh, my God, but how about all the latex boys? You Are know, these I the mean, ones I'm you dress up as... Mm-hmm. feminize yes yes i do love that a lot <laughs> so 
you know, it's it's good. I am I consider myself very lucky because I have a lot of joy coming from all these things. But then again, you've got to choose your specialities and mm-hmm. you know just make sure that uh, um, you know you do your best to be um, to excel at them. Oh, pretty much. My downstairs roommate. He might listen to this. He loves Shibari. He's like on all the Reddit groups about Shibari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's it's wonderful. It's very very interesting. This is what I'm going to be doing tonight. It's um it's very calming, very intricate, um very particular. You need to be very focused when you do it. You achieve a beautiful artistic result. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if someone is suspended. And also, it's you know, if I say, say I'm just painful. looking where she's suspending people. <laughs> well, it's not painful, but it's bondage. This isn't an easy thing on the body. But this is science. No, it looks like oh, someone's just hanging in the air, you know, tied by rope. It's about it's tough. It's tough. From what I have read, a lot of this, you know, pain, it's to do with evoking certain kind of um, stimulants in mm-hmm. the body. Correct. The science behind it, maybe you know a bit more. Well, yes, we're looking for certain um, hormones to be released. And th- that's the reason why BDSM is so popular, because you get more of a kick from, let's say, activities that can be a little bit more painful or you're restrained. So, so yes, it, you know, I don't have any particulars at the moment, but, you know, we've got adrenaline and dolphins. Um, serotonin and you know you create a cocktail and a mix of those in various ways in various circumstances and ta-dam, that's the reason why people like it because there's very few other circumstances where you can do it just sex you know it's not all encompassing for the person who has those needs in particular because if someone doesn't have such needs if you're gonna do it it's not gonna really work with this erotic hypnosis mm-hmm. i'm very intrigued it is very intriguing yes it <laughs> sounds like the ultimate one to have because you can just hypnotize them to come back again and again and again Yes, I actually I had once a client. Oh my god, yeah, a long time ago, I had a client who of requested it, and <laughs> I had to keep doing it. I was very new at the time to hypnosis. I was learning it, and that was his idea. And as a result, I learned it very well because I had to keep practicing. But yes, um, normally, of course, then I need their consent. So <laughs> yes, if that's what they want, that's what I would do. But there are a few things people just enjoy being in trance or in subspace mm. um which can be b- quite similar and again this is a wonderful place to be in because you stay in the moment mm. and the moment is full of arousal and um submission yes so like i'm saying there's very few circumstances in your life where you can enjoy your sexuality um, in such fashion. Mm. Unbridled? I don't know how to pronounce it. Unbridled? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Embroiled? No, without constraints. Uh, What word was it? Unbridled. Unbridled. Yeah. So they're unconstrained. That's what I meant. I'm a linguist. (laughs) like words. It sounds so liberating as well. Like You just have what you both discuss and want. Femdom, is that what we were speaking about earlier with the woman dressing up as a woman or what's femdom? Um, you're talking about uh, feminization. 
Okay, yes. Femdom is just another word for, for what I do. Okay. I'm a female dominatrix. Okay. I mean, obviously this job, we say there's obviously lots of benefits to it. It can be financially rewarding. You mm-hmm. can really enjoy it. Has there ever been any hairy moments where you felt um, endangered in your work? No, luckily there hasn't been mm-hmm. a moment like that, which is fantastic. We also have a very good support network between us, the Matrixes, and mm-hmm. if someone got into such trouble, we would know straight away. So there is a lot of ways in which we communicate mm-hmm. and news travel quickly. Uh, if someone came across a client that's uncooperative or dangerous straight away, the rest of the industry w- would know. And, you know, there are op- also website ugly mugs um, or client eye. We use them. I know my friend mentioned client eye because a lot of... Uh, escorts will use that yeah, as well of course with this kind of thing as well you mentioned dungeons earlier so you are freelancer because this is your own space correct so obviously financially there's more benefit to having your own space because there's no limit there's no one taking percentage mm-hmm. of you yes. which to me makes most sense but obviously someone getting into it might go to a dungeon like you said what's your opinion on you know a system where you're on the books and you have mistress that takes commission off you and when you go and see clients because i came across this website where there's bdsm uh, mistresses and then it was kind of a network where you would speak to the main one and then they would take percentage off the girl yes um it's legal yeah so that's that's sort of well, I've had a discussion a few times, so you need to be quite careful. Whereas it's very unlikely that anything will happen, mm. in reality, you're advertising something that's legal. Yeah. It's like running a brothel. Um, so that's one thing. So now, let's move away from this, because this should be legal. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, you know, especially so, let's say we've got that one, one woman, and she's got a few dumps underneath her. She's obviously... Uh, older experience experienced uh, she's got the space the girls are new mm-hmm. and she's got them under her wings it yep. benefits everyone okay right so they're getting the experience they feel safer yeah and they go somewhere where they know there's another person um let's say in the facility yeah um they gain from the ladies experience it's fantastic i don't believe this should be illegal okay you know but of course you know this the other side of the story we have the exploitation that can happen if if you know but not you know not um, not among dominatrixes i think it's more in other parts of sex industry but i would love it for 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 this to be sort of legal and even sort of regulated not well regulated then that's another hmm you know how would you regulate it but let's say if someone has a space and experience and they want to charge for both yeah for someone who doesn't have any experience it's very difficult to get into it so yes i think as well the way you describe it it sounds more like maybe like it's very weird to describe it this way it's like a school where like you can learn and stuff and one one day when you're like okay i I can go out on my own Mm -hmm. but again like you said it's important because there is that side of exploitation but i think people get a bit muddled up with that's more like brothels and when you're looking at more terms of like people who are just offering sex in terms of prostitution yes but you know then again 
Is Brussels really an exploitation if we look at it? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Because it's just, you know, if we have, let's say, three, even some my friends had a brothel um, not far from here, and there were three of them, and and they had a maid. They were were just much safer. Yeah, like, I I do agree. Well, you know, I think it's just a cooperative. Call it as you may, right? Mm. I do agree with like you can create a system where everyone feels safer and you can communication is the key and no one's being forced against their will but again like the in sex industry people like to conflate that awful one percent with all of it unfortunately and you know the current reality is different everything happens online Mm. you've got a trace there's no way you can do anything without being online and without it all being on show yeah it's it's not these days where you just brought some random girls and you could keep them and people would just come and everything is under the rug you need to advertise you know it it would be good it would be if it was all more current but you know we are where we are unfortunately and we're just hoping for the law to change and for it to be completely decri- decriminalized. Well, like the most common thing I can think of at the moment is when it comes to obviously that model of stuff and people going against the will is like the Andrew Tate stuff of like. Oh, exactly. I don't want to mention this word too much, but like the trafficking. Of course. And basically, like the lover boy method. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. But that's obviously the side no one with a logical brain agrees that that is fair or that is safe yes but with you know you well i suppose it'd be a bit more difficult to do it uh, to a dominatrix yes well how you can force someone to be dominant so yeah our industry doesn't have that particular issues but of course i'm aware I'm just part of a very very much a larger industry with its own problems and I'd like to you know I'd like to be able to see a bigger picture. Yeah. Especially when sex is such and when I say sex I mean everything from kink and like the sexual experience we all are involved in it one way or another. We all participate yes. in a sexual fantasy or a kink or just normal sex. So why can't we have more open and frank conversations about it? Well, that's uh, that's exactly the point. Yeah. I mean, I think I look at Andrew Tate and I think he is the type that would secretly love to be dominated. Mm, quite possible, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Probably that's why he's so aggressive because he, you know, if you, that's another issue. You know, if you have those persistent fantasies, they will never go away. So it doesn't matter whether you're a woman or a man and whether the you know the kinky fantasies can be anything whether you want to be dominated whether you want to be dominant but let's say you know if you're a man who wants to be dominated uh one way or another and those fantasies will always persist you Mm. will never be able to get rid of them there's no amount of therapy it's not it's like being gay You, you can't just erase it because next time the person is aroused your brain will start ticking again oh i'd like this i'd like this i'd like this so imagine not being unable to ever do it what kind of wreckage it can cause in your mental health do you think kink it's hard to identify where kink is but even the guys who come to you obviously they 
they have certain I don't know fetish for, for watching I suppose you know and that's why you always get them <laughs> there are the ones I'm sure you have regulars who or you know there are few reasons why people go to a strip strip clubs and few reasons why people go to dominatrixes right strip clubs are what I like to describe as the low level gateway to the wider experience so it's for mm-hmm. the people who are a bit shy and they don't want to fully send their way onto that so I speak about this in stripping you mm-hmm. have two approaches you have girl next door which is soft sale mm-hmm. and then you have what we call dominatrix approach which is harder and more like you tell them what's going to happen mm-hmm. um but we call that hard sale which is technical sale terms because I used to do a sales job in mm-hmm. a corporate job but we have a lot of people asking, yes, like you said, for kinks and fetishes. I can't tell you the amount of times that people have wanted to just give me a foot rub and I don't get naked or they've wanted like a domination. So I have a pair of handcuffs in my handbag. Yes, I think you know. maybe they feel exactly it's like a gateway. It's a little bit softer. You don't have to be so scared. You can see it's fantastic that it can happen that way. Yeah. But obviously, you know, that same thing that the tick, 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 tick brought them there, you know, because they have that need and they want to satisfy it. (laughs) A lot of them will go and see a dominatrix after or they will go to a brothel because Mm -hmm. as well in UK strip clubs, um, you're not allowed to touch. Correct. Which, have you ever worked as a stripper? No, but I've been to many strip clubs as a client. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Always fun to talk to girls and just, you know, just chill and, you know, and do a little bit of um, teasing. Teasing is the right word, yeah. You can network as well. I remember there was a dom who came in and her friends were strippers and she was just the one dom. Yep. And it's just nice because you have people who you're not doing the exact same job, but you're from the same kind mm-hmm. of world. And it's obviously women are beautiful. It's lovely to see their bodies. And I, you know, when there was my few partners and we just, it's just a, such a lovely thing to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, for me, of course, it's so easy. I suppose some people would be a bit worried, but for me, let's, you know, it's very interactive as well. Yeah. So I mean, what I like about stripping is that it's unlimited how much you can make in one night you could be walking away with 40 pounds or you could be walking away with two grand you Mm -hmm. you never know is it the same kind of thing in doming like is it a fixed rate or do you um so yes there's a certain amount we charge per hour but the amount of clients you get you know you never know so that's that in that way is very similar you will never know how much you're gonna make yeah how much bookings are gonna how, how much how many bookings are gonna come your way no do you instruct that they leave a tip or do you ask tip tip no 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 one leaves any tips mm, no it's expensive as it is it's a very expensive thing so i don't unfortunately well but you know that's just uh, the way it is but the people do tip sometimes but rarely <laughs> nice surprise very nice so with the doming, you've done it for a while, you've done it for seven years. How have you found relationships and navigated that? I'll leave the question open to you. My personal relationships are unaffected by it. Mm-hmm. Of course, it means that, well, it goes without saying that there are certain people I would like to be in a relationship with and there are only certain people who would be happy to be in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. But um, I've never had any issues with my job preventing me 
from being in a happy relationship, mm-hmm. which is really good. It means the society here is quite tolerant. You know, there are a lot of men who have absolutely no issue with women doing sex work. So, yeah, I engage with those. I appreciate, you know, I, I don't want a vanilla relationship because that will never work with me being so kinky. And obviously, kinksters are very open-minded. And, you know, there's many of them are really not jealous. So, yeah, it's actually, that, that bit is quite okay. I'm very pleased. Yeah. Because I n- haven't really thought about it when I started, but it turned out that way. People would be very shocked to learn that, like, a lot of people within the sex industry, and I'm not just speaking about doming or stripping, but, like, from porn to OnlyFans to everything, like, you can think of, a lot of people are in relationships. And I'm sure there's a statistic I could try and find, but I would guess predominantly relationships. Yes, I mean, uh, I think it just matches the general population. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, certain let's say girls my age are in relationships and a certain amount aren't mm-hmm. and with sex i'm sure it's the same it's not like we have any difficulties did i see that right you're on OnlyFans on your website as well or not yes i am i've got a website and i've got OnlyFans. yeah okay so you also do the translation of what you do here in person onto online a little bit because i know you said you're more in person but yeah. i think as well like where i can maybe bond on you with doing a job that is in person it's just more fun to interact with someone depends and play. D- yes depends on your preferences some of us like it and others don't yes so exactly. we choose the bits we enjoy and i seem to have fallen into this bit enjoyed it ever since and there we are if i say a crazy what's the craziest thing you've ever done i don't think you will see what you have done as crazy <laughs> no. but what is the Take the most vanilla thing a client has asked you to do in a session to the most what you would maybe perceive as craziest. Well, exactly. So the craziest. I don't necessarily find any fetishes crazy because they're all normal to me. (laughs) So (laughs) I find it difficult. Um, But interesting maybe is a better word. Oh, exactly now. That's an entirely different story. There are some fetishes that are, let's say, less common than others, such as a puffer jacket fetish. So there would be um, men who enjoy a woman wearing a puffer jacket. Just the puffer jacket? Yeah, puffer jacket jacket on top of uh, any sort of clothing you'd like. (laughs) Was this man English? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I know, like, a lot of, hmm, like, a lot of, like, girls when they're teenagers, they wear puffer jackets. Mm-hmm. So maybe he fancied a girl with a puffer jacket when he was younger. Yeah. Pro- it's, yeah. yes, probably right. Yeah. Okay. And, she um, was a bit mean to him. Yeah. I had two um, clients like that, and my friend had one. So there were three, and they were very different in a way they approached their fetish. The puffer jacket fetish. Mm. Wow. Is yeah. That's not one of the 200 cores, is it? Well, I suppose if we started counting those, then there would be even more. Yeah. Because I remember sitting with a friend and we were wondering, what can we fetishize? And we were looking at earbuds. Mm. Isn't a fetish for, you know, we were just like, let's find the most random thing and see if there's fetish around it. Do you mean the little things mm-hmm. you put in your... That, that does feel orgasmic when you do that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So it does... Oh, you know, engaged with fetishes that can be enacted. 
in real life. Yes. I think that there was a fetish for bees or something ridiculous like that. I mean, there's nothing. Was actually, no, I suppose I could play a bees video. Yeah, I mean, there's like this thing in Friends where Monica is worried that Chandler is into sharks because he's watching a porn and he switches it over to the shark channel and he's wang- like, you know, about yeah, to. Exactly. But it's probable, you know, people have very different. I think in this world as well people confess these secrets um of what they like and because also if you look at men of a certain generation past mm-hmm. i'm gonna say 40 they have this path of get married find the right girl get really good job da, 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 da. have very vanilla sex life two kids da, da, da. of course they want to explore this kinky side that they never got to explore like it's obvious to me well if some of them do and they find themselves in a situation whereby they're married and the partner is not interested, then, you know, this is the only gateway. This is the only avenue in which they can um, use. That's the reason why I'm in business. And again, it's not like all my clients are married. No, not at all. It's just very difficult to find. Now, it's not very easy for men in a dating world these days in general. Yep. It's tough hypergamy exactly and then finding a woman to engage in kinks that's uh, again making a lot of effort so sometimes it's just easier for them to to just come and visit us same but but that is the very reason why the sex industry exists simple creatures they want simple pathway i guess as well another question is with the doming the first thing i ever heard about it from girls who have done it in the club was you don't have to take part in intercourse, which mm-hmm. I've heard is subjective. Some people don't, some people do. Very few doms take part in an intercourse because it's not really something they look for, the guys. So there's a very little crossover. Yeah. But not that, you know, we don't adhere to any, ho- you know, the word hierarchy I was trying to explain to people. Not hierarchy, yes. Hierarchy, like whore, you like whore, okay. And by that means, oh, I'm a dominatrix, I'm untouchable here. I don't touch no penis or whatever. No, yeah. no, 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 that's dated, but it, it used to be the case. Now, luckily, makes no difference to you know, I'd be very upset if any of my colleagues had such views. So, you know, we're all the same, whether you work with um, whatever part of your body to make that man sexually arouse as your photo is you know something a little bit more sexual it's all this luckily it's fine you know so we're on we're all on the same boat we have to be together in it because <laughs> you know mm. it's difficult as it is for us what's like the time for a normal session um, an hour an hour and a half two hours mm. a few people like a little longer ones what's been your longest ever session um overnight had a few that were overnight and um yeah that's i I haven't had one that lasted for a few days for a long while Mm. but those happen very rarely actually but Mm. can do yeah overnights as well not Mm -hmm. very common but they do happen sometimes yeah i suppose imagine that is um a woman and she wants to become dominatrix I'm very much of the train of thought that we have different personalities and different personalities Mm -hmm. are why we're good at different jobs. Correct. What characteristics would you say someone should have if they want to become dominatrix? 
Hmm. First of all, it really is helpful if you're actually kinky. Um, because you will be able to understand these fetishes much better and you will have personal satisfaction from engaging in them. Mm-hmm. So that is very important. The rest, because without it, then you're this vanilla girl who likes to make money some way. And Actress. Yes, and I mean, you know, the financial rewards are there and it's a really well-paid job, but I suppose the personal satisfaction might not be there. So so that's one thing. And you need to like men. Mm-hmm. You do need to like men. The, the, the jo- uh, dominatrix, uh, men hating dominatrix. Mm, if uh, well, un- unless you stay online and you don't have any contact with men, then absolutely, mm-hmm. you can make fantastic content. And don't you know? Not every person needs to like. Not every woman needs to like men. So, but if you see them um, <coughs> in real time, and then you need to enjoy a company of a man. Same with you, bread and butter. If you don't like men and that's all you're ever dealing with, that's uh, gonna ne- never going to make you successful. You're always going to be, you know, angry. In my, I suppose, sector, if that's a better mm-hmm. word to describe it, yes and no. Some of the happiest strippers I know are lesbians. Oh, yes, that's... that's yes. Is but do they not like men at all? They do like men. So on that front, I agree. Mm-hmm. You have to... I know sometimes women have bad experience with men and they're mm-hmm. like, I Correct, hate men. Yeah. But they, they they can detach, you know. They can have happy... Oh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Same with, same with us. Yes. So you can... You don't have to like them se- sexually. Yeah. But you need to like them as sort of a group of people. Mm-hmm. I suppose. I mean, this is, you know... If you know, if you don't like to be in a company of a particular type of person, yeah, then it will never work. S- but you know, these days, all of us do, most of us do, yeah. And so you need to be comfortable around men. You need to be kinky. Then the rest is a skill. But this job needs a huge variety of skills in order for a dominatrix to be successful. You know, there is the managing my business requires a lot of skills Mm. advertising creating a brand then you know creating a personable experience that they're going to enjoy so that i can have repeat business there's there's a lot to it and yes it's 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 a it's a skilled job you know in order to make good money well anyone can start it but in order to succeed you know you need to really, really know what you're doing. You need to passion. gain passion, um, you know, knowledge, and also, you know, ability to learn. Mm. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have a clue what to do in a strip club in order to get the money of of men. I don't think you'd struggle, honey. <laughs> yes, but you know, but it's a skill. Let's say you you okay. Put me there for two weeks. Let's see what I can learn. There are techniques. There are, you know, you're not doing random things. Uh, just, you know, so again, uh, certain skills of mine would be transferable. But, you know, imagine not having a clue about any of it. 
I will say on, yes, I do agree. You can't like have a vendetta or hate men if you are going to be in this industry. It doesn't work. But you can have a very intolerable, intolerable, Intor- mm-hmm. intolerable customer. Like you've probably had the same. I've been dancing for sometimes like just the worst customer you can imagine. Well, yes, yeah. it's we, we're not always lucky to always enjoy every single bit of our job mm. unfortunately that's the reason why it's called like that it's a job <laughs> so every every now and again you just remind yourself yeah you know that you know we're lucky anyway if i like what i do and i enjoy and i enjoy it 99.9 percent out of the time every now and again of course you, you're not gonna click with every single person yeah and bad day at the office yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's just um, collateral of the job sometimes. So I think this is probably like the most, what I'm going to ask you now is impactful to maybe this conversation and within the sexual industry. Do you think when it comes more regulation within sex work mm-hmm. and changing the attitudes towards sex work, mm-hmm what are some positive steps we can take maybe in government or just personal attitudes what can we take to make it more hospitable so big question a little bit more mainstream um so people understand um so general public can understand how it looks these days there are a few documentaries on TV at this uh, point, which is wonderful. I think it's uh, Olivia Atwood, Wood. if I remember. So that's wonderful. So people can see that we're normal. It's one thing. Um, and second of all, well, I would love it for our job to be fully de- decriminalized so that we can just work in peace without worrying. I wish there was more legislation making it easier for us you know sometimes bank can um just freeze our accounts for no reason i didn't know that oh yes um happened to a friend recently luckily she was a dominatrix and my bank froze her accounts for the weekend luckily after the weekend after six days she got her money back but a few years back i think in 2020 another dominatrix had her account frozen for two years she had to go to an ombudsman. It was in, in press. So, so is that because the customer pays money and then when he leaves, he's like, oh, oh, oh. No, I mean, I think, well, yes, that could be a reason. But also another reason is because the banks don't like to deal with sex workers. No, they don't. I tried to get a Santander business account because I wanted personal and business separate. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you put your expenses. Mm-hmm, of course, yeah. Um, and I made the mistake of telling them because I used to be burlesque dancer, mm-hmm. which I have feelings of people accept burlesque dancers more, but it's just basically mm, exactly. a, a different craft of stripping, a different art. Mm. But basically they said, oh, do you do any other type of dancing? And I just said naively, yes, I'm a stripper. And they said, let me check our guidelines and see if we can do something. Yeah. And the answer was no. And no. And I recorded the conversation and I said, by the way, I've actually had the investment bankers from Santander Bank spend the expense account in the strip club. So if you don't want to take my bank account, look who's going to the strip club in your office. Well, yeah. And, well, luckily there are banks, there are a few banks who allow it. Yeah. But, you know, then again, 
that's w- that's what happens and that's you know i wish it was different but it's not so we're hoping to make things better for us the new banks are catching on a little bit more yeah. when you look at is it monzo and yes, I think those are so you just need to look at their terms and conditions and who they allow and who they not so but you know it's possible to find one mm. but i wish this wasn't the case in the first place yeah mm. because you know they view it as a morality uh, since when banks deal with morality it's just uh, we're running a business. We all of us run a business as any other business. The sexual marketplace will always exist. Well, yes. There's Would no way yeah. that it's well, n- never been possible to stop it, let alone now. Just because, you know, you have your kink and you're too shy to do it and you have shame or whatever and you're going to accost people who want to make a living through doing this, it doesn't make sense. Well, so. Exactly so. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, oh, okay, going back to your original question... So I think us working together as well and, you know, there are unions, luckily, there are collectives, same for us, trying to achieve something that way, Mm. working towards decriminalisation, that would be a good step forward to start with even, but whether it's going to happen. Have you heard of a... I think it's called an organization called not buying it no and it's basically i you can tell me if you understand the logic but it's mm-hmm. from this woman who she says she's feminist and she supports women's rights and stuff and basically what she's trying to do is she's trying to criminalize um any kind of sex work so whether that be prostitution bdsm dominatrix Mm -hmm. stripping she's going after stripping more so because it's the lower level one you can try and get rid of but i understand we have problems within our industry that goes without doubt but i don't understand how you can call yourself feminist and take away women's work from them well precisely but our society in general these days societies are very polarized so nothing will surprise me yeah. where do people get their views and why yeah you know there's so much i mean it was very evident during covid mm. and people's approaches <laughs> to to this to vaccination so you know it stems from her own insecurities of mm. course why does she have vendetta particular vendetta among strippers yeah what needs does she need to satisfy of her own yeah so that you know just live and let live I mean, you know you have a poor argument when you're going to use the 1% argument to bash the rest of the industry. Yes, and I hope she's never going to have any luck with achieving any success. No, she's probably never set foot in a place of like a dungeon or a strip club or something as well. Thank God. <laughs> but it's, everything is so regulated. How can you... How can you in the UK sexual trafficking isn't as it is at all this is what Andrew Tate did mm. that's the lover boy method they weren't moved from one place to another they you know they were just coerced yeah so I obviously I would need to read ev- like what I can on it to have a fully concise definition but from what I understand it's conversing someone and manipulating someone against their free will or promising something and then not delivering which in andrew tate's case is sex trafficking and you do get sex trafficking in a strip club one percent and a little bit but they should have on the other hand 
more psychological tests of managers in strip clubs yeah. in brothels more psychological tests to notice if someone is being trafficked and crack down on trafficking yes or sort of ask those questions Did, are you here against your will did someone make you do this job we can help you we can help you are you getting all of your money that you're making from this exactly in the netherlands they have the same model when you rent the window the landlord has to go through regulated from the government psychological thing fantastic you know that's already that would be fantastic to 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 even go that way you know i can't begin to imagine how you can force someone to go to a strip club but i suppose it c- it's all possible you know it happens so then it's up to the other parties like us to to take steps so it doesn't and i think you will only from these types of things podcasts or media pieces you will only get the truth of what is going on in this industry and stuff taking it back to dominatrix saying or do you call it dominatrix or just doming 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 is the doming do you know any male doms um no not really no no it's not a very popular profession it's just because again women can get that without paying Oh, what's hmm. your favorite stuff to wear like are you a latex girl lace girl oh god uh, i love a variety of outfits mm. um latex leather lingerie ki- um, ki- silk satin or oh, even street clothes yoga pants um puffer jacket puffer jacket um, <laughs> i just like to feel comfortable in what i'm wearing the okay. last thing I want is to wear something that makes me feel uncomfortable. Latex you know, isn't. Latex can be, but then again, I love it. So I have pieces that are very comfy, luckily. Mm-hmm. So I can make that work. But in general, I want to be comfortable. So when I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm not thinking, my God, so tight. Oh, my God, the corset is too tight or something like that. So, yeah, providing it's comfortable, I'm happy. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. Do the clothes help you become the character? No. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> not these days no nah. it used to be like that at the mm. beginning I, I remember I was so weirded out when I had to do my first session wearing normal clothes um, I had one last week like this and I'm like oh this is so nice Like I don't have to do anything here I'm gonna lounge um, and then I sort of reminded myself oh wow few years back i was thinking what's it gonna be how am i gonna do it it's just like you're, you you know so i suppose your head space changes with the clothes but with the experience you can make that head space work regardless of what you're wearing and regardless of whether you have toys or not Mm. I could I could do a session without a single toy without any problem S- but it w- didn't used to be the case it's just a question of experience yeah it's interesting you say that and my clothes very do much make my character wash on wash off like my personality but with your kind of you know mistress wildfire and then who you are in your personal life you said the one thing to be dominatrix is you must naturally be kinky and it's authentic Mm -hmm. yeah is there a difference between you know who you are at work and who you are just more personally um apart from like monetization (laughs) not really i try to make it very clear to everyone Mm. that i do not uh, um, want to put up a persona because it's boring 
takes effort and it's take it or leave it if you like my approach if you like my style Mm. um which is as much of it is actual me as possible to put in then we good friends yeah because it would be very difficult for me to try to be someone else for all this time Mm. so no and it's like that for 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 all of us these days but then again you know then i love a role play yeah so if they say oh mistress i would really like you to be this 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 i said fantastic let's do a good role play and i had this um i have my regular client and he said to me mistress but i really need you to berate me to be very haughty and i want to be told off non-stop i'm like but you know you know we talk, we're talking like you come here you don't really make any mistakes yeah you, you behave yourself yeah you know what am i going to tell you off about <laughs> you know i can't make up a reason it's stupid it's fake yeah and then he said mistress it's still a role play you're going to be random european aristocracy and i'll be a steward i'll be 18 <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many you nothing was ever done correctly in the estate so many failings every single week he was in my office just i that just that poor lad could do nothing right oh dear <laughs> but then it rubbed off me because last time he came in and he didn't do anything it's just i don't know he was wet or something and i told him off for being wet <laughs> and that was a reason like, alan is his name look what you've done here how how dare you and i'm just laughing he's like, mistress, yes, yes, you know, mm. I'm just laughing. I can tell you off for standing incorrectly these days. Yeah. Some of them love it, but then again, not everyone. It's certain attitudes, and I d- we do talk about it, mm. because my attitude in a session varies, you know, and I appreciate if someone says, oh, I really like, even yesterday I had someone, I like the dominatrix to be very sweet and seductive. Absolutely. I don't want to then be... Uh, you know, I won't be telling him off. Mm. It's again, it's consent. And then someone says, "Oh, you know, mistress, I want you to be really cruel and shouting." I said, mm, "See how that's gonna go for you? Are you sure?" God, this man was terrified. But you know, <laughs> he's my regular. He understands I'm not like that because then, you know, if you meet someone, you need to delineate from their actual persona and then the role play you're doing, so you don't think that this woman is crazy. Mm. that it's you know that we're engaged in a place called play for a reason do you do the red uh amber green absolutely yeah yeah that you know the safe word is extremely important everyone gets their safe word um just for the audience so do you want to explain obviously red amber green the safe word is um so let's say we especially when you're doing something painful um, the people have their limits. Everyone's got a different limit. And let's say, in uh, this is less applicable to a dominatrix, but more to general kink play. If someone goes above and beyond a uh, limit of someone, uh, of, the, of what play partner can take, then they say the safe word red, and the play has to stop because they're not happy with what's happening to them. Me being a professional, I have not had anyone use a safe word because I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. My job is to keep them safe. Of course, people with less experience and perhaps less ability to read someone's reaction, then it's a good idea to have them. 
also but for me it's essential that my missives communicate mm -hmm. if something is wrong whether in it's in a form of a safe word or anything else let's say the expectation is always you know i always give them an example oh the collar is too loose the collar is a bit tight mistress oh i just you know the hood is making me hot um i have a cramp you know so those things i need to know also they might not enjoy some especially if you know i uh it's a new client they might not enjoy a certain sensation at all you know they don't have to say red because they're not in some sort of distress but they say actually i don't like you know it's not for me my balls being smacked that way yeah so if we're trying things out i expect to be told that i want them to have fun and enjoyable time and not to go through with something that they're not enjoying yeah. so that's that's you know one of the important things but again that's with kink we would like to believe that all of us are like that and whether it's a safe word or whether it's just straightforward communication however it's done it works I think we'd have like a happier sexual society if people just communicated more. Mm -hmm, correct. I mean, you said earlier, are you with one person right now or maybe a few or? No, I'm single. Single. Okay. So basically like a lot of people who, I'm heterosexual, um, you know, I find women very beautiful. My experience of just being heterosexual and in relationship is that some men, they just will not communicate what they want in the bed and they don't understand that's what makes the woman horny that, you know, they're mm -hmm. satisfied and stuff. And it's just so interesting that sometimes men cannot communicate that with their wife or they don't feel in a safe environment. But when they go to, you know, a dominatrix dungeon, they feel like they can Mm. This is the fear of being judged. Yep. For their sexuality. And also, we're not really educated to do so. I wish consent is sexy. It's just getting better these days. A few years back, there was no even no conversation around the subject. So, you know, I'm hoping this will be beneficial to everyone, to be honest. Because this is what makes sex so exciting. When you know what your partner needs you know your partner's wants and you work together to you know to satisfy both of you to be honest to even see when you if you're compatible that's another issue in in marriages people are just not sexually compatible but they don't even know that till they um keep on going and doing it and doing it and then tada it's very hard to say that as well i imagine 20 years in two kids it's very hard to say Correct. i don't think we're compatible because pe people have um you know obligations yeah true very true people do have their obligations so we are wrapping towards the end one thing i do want to know mm -hmm. what is your favorite gadget in this dungeon you like to use what is the creme de la creme oh fantastic it's my voice your voice mm -hmm. that's what i enjoy using the most with the hypnosis in general Ooh. i have a very particular voice and it has an immediate effect on my subs. It's so excellent it's for a podcast. Is it? <laughs> oh, already? <laughs> well, I'd like to think so as well. I, Yes, you see what I mean then. <laughs> mm. It's very calming voice. It's very, you know, so like in acting and stuff like that, you can tell by register if someone's distressed, if someone's like da-da-da. But you have very voice without stress. Very calm assertive but not leveled like you know i i also i'm <laughs> i'm not trying to sound sexy but if i make effort 
to sound sexy. I sound very sexy. Oh. <laughs> 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 but it is. Um, it's not some. It's just the way. I, you know, I'm not Elizabeth Holmes who made herself. You know, or Margaret Thatcher. I, I just have a naturally um, low voice. I remember many years ago, my ex, when I called him, said, "Why, why do you sound like a miner?" You know, the person who works in mines yeah. sound like a man. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I started engaging in hypnosis, I realized that the voice you have, the, the timbre, is really important. And you can, of course, make it work the way you want it to mm. convey certain feelings and sensations. And, you know, train it to a degree to achieve what you want of it so yeah that's where i am at the moment and i'm really lucky with it because Sc you know i've got no, done nothing to achieve it obviously scarlett johansson she has a naturally very low register voice oh i wasn't aware of it i need to listen to her once well she had she does like if you listen to any of her films her you know you get hi like it's not it's more deep and stuff but i think as well like to a lot of british men from just in the strip club they love any kind of foreign eastern european they love spanish yes they do it's the bomb girl <sighs> but you know so because also that makes my voice a little bit more flat and having that um, yeah accent and it seemed to work the trick really well and mm. i will you know use it because well I have it, so yeah. <laughs> you sound so aware of all the sensations and tools you have, just externally but internally. Yes. This is very, very, very insightful. You know. A very what? Sorry, didn't get you. Insightful. Yes. Um, I have taken a lot of effort, a lot, to learn about the things I do, mm -hmm. to educate myself, to research. You know, I'm not doing it okay a little bit of fun on the side i have a lot of knowledge about this the the things i do i have a lot of experience these days mm. always educate myself you know every day is a school day ask the clients again you know get as many answers as possible of them why they like it that way what they like get yeah. the data absolutely because you know it makes me better yeah that's always been my approach so I'm going to round off with a question that maybe the audience can take a little bit of something with them. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Mistress Wildfire, no one is ever going to do a session like you're going to do it, okay? No one's going to replicate at home what you can do. Mm -hmm, yes. Because you are the goat. You mm -hmm. know what the goat is? The greatest oh, of yeah, all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what's one thing that maybe... Let's just say we have vanilla couple at home mm -hmm. or a couple trying to explore, you know, sexual side or they want to try a bit of BDSM. What's like a little thing they can maybe take with them and try at home that they'd be surprised? I would say just generally being a little bit more in charge. So rather than, you know, normally in a vanilla world, the, the man is in charge and he sort of would make more sen uh, sexual decisions i think a woman should um every woman should try and think what would be if i initiated i did everything and why i'm not doing it mm. 
why it could be fun and sort of allow for the partner to enjoy for once being taken care of so so he can relax into it not doing it it doesn't have to be for the whole duration but for a time Mm -hmm. it could be very interesting and then try a few things maybe you know tie him up to the bed and tease him and see what happens whether you know you can have more fun that way yeah there's nothing wrong with just trying if you're two consenting adults oh of course you know that's what bdsm is for sexual exploration no and as humans it's important we play i think as well Mm -hmm. yeah i agree so that is the end of our podcast little clap there in the microphone (laughs) (laughs) so do you have any links you want to shout out i'll put them below in the description on the Mm -hmm. podcast but do you want to mention them oh yes um my website it's uh, mistresswildfire.com thank you so much for your time mistress wildfire thank you i'm sure the audience will love what they've heard and if you do want to get in touch with her then just please follow the links that we said (laughs) thank you so much wonderful talking to you bye if you want to follow any of the sexonomics links just look in the bio below and we'll see you on the next episode bye